Hi, welcome to the Environmental Justice Symposium podcast. This is Danielle, Bryn, Sadie, and Catherine. Our topic today is environmental education in the Fox Valley. Our research on this topic centered around environmental justice. By definition, environmental justice is the fair treatment and involvement of all people, regardless of race, color, national origin, or income, with respect to the development, implementation, and enforcement of environmental laws, regulations, and policies. In short, environmental justice is the fair distribution of environmental laws and regulations, as well as equal involvement amongst all types of peoples. In this podcast, we will look at environmental justice through the lens of education. We looked specifically at primary education, which led us to the Fox River Academy, a public environmental charter school in Appleton, Wisconsin. The school houses students kindergarten to eighth grade and puts a focus on the natural world as well as hands-on learning outside of the classroom. We interviewed Eric Vanderloop, the lead teacher at Fox River Academy, who oversees the education of the 7th and 8th graders. Eric has been a teacher for a number of years and worked in the Kimberly School District before coming to the Fox River Academy. He believes wholly in the values of nature and the environment that he teaches his students and is invested in the education he provides through hands-on learning. Fox River Academy is in double digits of existence, which is cool. In fact, uh, for me, it's been an eye-opening experience this last year because we had a charter contract come up. So basically how this works is uh, charter schools have a different vision on how to teach things to kids, typically through a different you know lens of some sort. For us, it's uh, the Fox River watershed and its surrounding area, and through that lens, we have to do what every other school does, but we're granted permission to do it in the way that we deem fit. The cool part about our school right now is if you, you just have to pay attention to the news. I mean, what we're dealing with as far as the climate and and uh, with uh, the environment and looking at endangered species and all these things that are coming up, we have a responsibility to educate these kids and get some people that are out there that are going to be advocates for you know, for the fight that, that's going to be out there. And coming from standard public school, you know, there really isn't much of that education. You know, I teach a fishing class in the summer because I get kids fired up about something that is a staple of Wisconsin. Um, I think kids should understand our hunting heritage. They should understand, you know, all of those things that are kind of like the backbone of our state. You know, we, we make billions of dollars on those types of things in our state, hunting, fishing. And in today's world, the kids don't get a lot of opportunities to do that. So um, I get to teach that every day. So my lens is that opportunity, but I just feel like it's a it's a scant few that we're reaching in that way. So I don't know if that helps. Yes. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, could you possibly tell us a little bit about the curriculum in the classroom? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a like a different type of a setup. We've gone a little hybrid here because it kind of fits our school. I actually get to teach fifth through eighth grade kids every single day. So the Upstairs classroom is a five-six classroom. So, so it's all a of our classroom. yep. So we have mixed classrooms except for our kindergarten. We introduced kindergarten a couple of years ago. So we have fourteen kids in kindergarten that get farmed up, and then uh, so there's little environmental kindergartners, and then uh, the one-two split, three-four split are located in Jefferson, and then five-six is upstairs here, and then seven-eights downstairs. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I teach all of the ELA, so your standard language arts stuff, your reading and writing, and then my teaching partner Jim does all the math. So that allows me to see kids five through eight and get to know them earlier on. They get a little bit of a taste of that switch because seventh and eighth graders need to move around a little bit, and so do five, six. 
Um, but then we have what's called a hybrid discovery, which is like a blend of science and social studies. So um, we look at a lot of like social injustice in relation to the environment. Um, we look at a lot of that hardcore, um, you know, journaling and study topics in the scientific fields. And then you also have that social aspect. A lot of your standard social studies stuff that you maybe would get in a, a normal classroom is is introduced through like reading things, nonfiction pieces. I use an online magazine thing called Newzella that uh, is awesome to, to use. I use that yeah, last year great. with yep. my. Yeah, and it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, and they have so, specific grade levels. Which yep, is you pick your amazing. topics. You can, you know, and so I can. There's a ton of stuff on environmental ed that you can yeah. delegate, and then there's also the stuff that that maybe you're not hitting as hard in the classroom because you have this discovery format, and that discovery format allows you to go out again and get outside and play and do some things that are mm -hmm. out there. That's real hands-on learning. So that's kind of the difference in the curriculum. Um, you know, it's it's a it's not separate classes. Everything else is kind of blended in through that environmental lens, which you know, it's not one hundred percent all the time the environment. We we have a responsibility to to be great academically, and for uh, for us, it's been awesome. We've had a great couple of years here. Our our scores have soared. I got to take what I did in the classroom before, which was successful academically, and Kimberly trained me in some just amazing stuff. And then I was able to take the the latitude to be able to go out into the field. You write poetry next to a tree. It's way different than if you're sitting in a desk. <laughs> yeah, and so true. I mean, it, it's it's cool. So that's awesome. You mentioned that you teach um, social environmental justice issues yep. as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what that entails? Well, we talk a lot about the responsibility that we all have on this planet. So, like um, every year, there's a different theme. So this year was our water theme, and one of the things that I've noticed in this world that's been coming up a lot, and I know this happened with Lake Winnebago this summer. Um, I grew up fishing Lake Winnebago, and I know they found particulate mm -hmm. plastic in Winnebago. Um, that plastics and water thing was a big deal for me. So I led in our discovery year talking about water and the impact that we have on water. How does water move? And then as that water moves, what is the impact we have? And, you know, we all kids get this the surface scratch when we talk about, like, dog poops in your yard and it rains you know stuff goes off and it goes somewhere um what we've done is we had a group of kids go and talk to the appleton common council this year and we're painting storm drains just like they're doing in madison mm -hmm. so um we earmarked a couple of drains to paint this year to get our message out as to you know you're responsible for what ends up in here it used to be that they took stencils and they put your you know with a fish and then it said mm -hmm. your water goes to water or whatever and they painted all of them and it just didn't have the same impact. So the new social study that they were doing down in the Madison area was, if there's a beautiful mural around one of these things, will people really truly stop and think about it? Yeah. You know, so much, I think people are willing to be compliant, but it's an awareness thing and a reminder thing, and it has to become a habit. And uh, I think our water, you know, itself, and knowing like we did the wastewater treatment plant this year, and we looked at you know, the water goes back cleaner than it was before. Where does our drinking water come from? How is that purified? I mean, it's it's a fascinating thing, and our kids get to be face-to-face -face with that. I know a big thing that we've talked about in our course, too, is just how, yes, it affects everybody, but it doesn't affect everyone differently. Do you mm -hmm. feel that you've begun to scratch the surface at conveying that message as well? Well, you know... <laughs> I really think that the world has evolved to the point now where we are 
so caught up in life. Uh, our world has changed so much that people can't slow stuff down, and they've become, um, I'm going to take care of my family and my world and stuff that's inside of my sphere. People really don't pay attention to the fundraising type stuff or the until it happens to them, until it's in their sphere. And when they do, then there's an, uh, an engagement. We can't see everything environmentally that's happening to us, and it's not right in your face. And I think people just survive through every day taking care of what they need to, because it's hard to do. We all get into survival mode, you know? So the only way we're going to change a lot of that stuff is going to be people are going to end up seeing what it looks like, and I'm hoping it's not too late when we get to that point. And your goal is to kind of show the younger generations that they need to start early? Is that? Well, absolutely. I mean, when, when I talk, we go in the ravine and we sit and we do journaling, I'll stop those kids and just be like, just listen to what you hear right now. You know, just, just engage in this moment. I think there are so many kids that want to feel that connectivity and I think there are people out there that would provide that, but it's it's a it has to be made to happen. I think every kid in Wisconsin should get that opportunity to sit and experience the marvel of what happens when you're in the outdoors and what you learn. When you, you watch a squirrel jump for a branch, and they actually screw up sometimes. The branch breaks, yeah. or they miss, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I've been in the woods where I, I've seen a you know a. a buck fawn walking through the woods and he steps on a <laughs> stick and it whacks him right in the face. <laughs> and it's we don't we don't pay attention to that we don't see it because you're not out there enough my favorite thing to do is to bow hunt it's mm-hmm. not because i'm shooting an animal it's because of all the things i see and how i can just decompress and how it changes me um everybody needs that they just need the avenue and and when we live in a world that's so busy that's the first thing that goes um i coach baseball my son has eight tournaments, and I have a second son that um, has five. So that's 13 weekends if, you know, if some of them don't line up. I mean, when do I take my kids fishing? I'm an environmental teacher, and I struggle to get my kids to go do stuff in the outdoors. And I value it, and I know it's important. Time is the most precious thing we have, and how do we give that back? And how do we find that time so that we can do it? That's why I was laughing at you guys telling me I, this would be my 21st year teaching a fishing class. Everybody told me, like, oh, you're going to want your summer off. You're going to want to do this. You're going to, you know, you're going to be sick of it. And I just keep going back because I know how valuable it is. I've been there for probably a 1,000 kids, their first fish they've ever caught, and watching the joy in their faces. And there's more people that need to do that, that need to give that little extra for kids. And I think we can change a lot of what's going on. What type of people are you reaching? Who are is the average student here, like? What are the demographics, or who do you feel like you're reaching, or you think you're reaching enough people? Our school's unique. Um, it's a blend. It's interesting. I, I don't think it, I don't think it shadows a standard middle school, and then other times I think it does. Um, like our seventh and eighth graders are allowed to think and think out loud and and learn on the fly and. And do some very different things. Like, I'm the kind of person where when I do a project, I have my kids sit and watch. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't do that because they're in a hurry. Or they pay somebody else to do it, you know. Um, as a teacher, I do the same thing. I want them to learn and explore while they're out there. So you're creating people that are going to problem solve. That's what we provide here that's a little bit different is it's a lot of that hands-on stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll pull invasive species. We can identify the invasive species. We know that it's hard work to get rid of them. 
and then we get the the joy of replacing what was there you know which is which is a cool thing so i guess that's how that learning's a little bit different here okay do you think a lot of the students that you're working with are coming in with many of those skills or do you think that they're learning that in this environment uh they're learning that in this environment um we have a lot of kids that I think um, in a standard school um, got lost in the shuffle. I have a lot of kids with high anxiety that come in, that um, they come into the school, uh, they're, they're just freaked out about stuff all the time. They need things to slow down. And being in a large area with large groups of kids just didn't work for them. And it was like magic to watch them decompress. And what's really cool is these kids will reflect on it out loud. Like they'll talk to me. Like at my old school... I just there was so much going on and I didn't and I didn't feel like I was heard and like now they're presenting they're out in front of people when we do our state competition I mean we take we had seven kids that that did this and you have to stand in front of a board of like DNR people and people from colleges and they have to present on like a plan to fix pollution in a creek and it's awesome and these kids are on the spot I had two girls this year that presented that when I first met them wouldn't make eye contact. They were so, so quiet, and they're leading the show now. The Common Council thing, the one girl was unbelievable. And then she was in the park wearing T-shirts for her capstone going, um, am I picking up your trash? And she's walking around, and she's just this little button, and she's walking around, <laughs> am I picking up your trash? So that the people that are coming through the park are thinking twice. Oh, so this is just kind of changing topics just a little bit, um, yeah. going back more towards, like, curriculum and stuff. Um, when you're oh, I thought you were going to ask me about, like, the brewers. <laughs> no, not that big no, of a change. Okay. <laughs> um, when you're teaching environmental education, yep. um, what do you define to your students as the environment? Do you talk about just, like, the wilderness and kind of the world around us, or do you go into, um, like, talking about urban landscapes and yeah, things like that, Yeah, it's too? everywhere, um, especially for us here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, this park is, like, right in the middle of lots of stuff that's mm-hmm. going on. And, we, we, you know, the nature of a park and... You know, we think of parks and we always have these happy thoughts. Parks have lots of things that happen inside of them. Um, and, and so, like, the trash level out here is unbelievable. It's ridiculous. So we talk a lot about, you know, why is all of this here? What's the impact of being close to homes? We look at how it impacts the animals. Um, we've been doing, like, a buck rub study, so we've been counting buck rubs in a ravine. So that ravine that I keep talking about is, like, eight-minute walk from here. Um, and the kids actually it used to be a, a ski jump in Appleton, mm-hmm. and it became a garbage dump. And then uh, one of the FRA classes was called the Ravine Team. They went in and reclaimed the ravine and cleaned it up, put steps in the ravine, and did all kinds of really cool projects. And it was uh, it was actually featured in a Nat Geo thing, which was really cool. So um, we we definitely get that taste of what you know what animals can thrive and survive. Like, we would be in the ravine journaling and during the rut, and bucks are chasing does right in between the kids. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, meanwhile, there's, you know, cars parked on at the end. It's The animals find a way to, to blend and do things within their um, own environment and habitat. The nocturnal stuff we talk about, you know, the animals are there, but we're not seeing them, you know, so what's happening? Trail cameras we put out. and So, yeah, so there it's... Kids are starting to realize that they're getting ripped off. Their future is mm-hmm. getting taken away. And the accountability of, mm-hmm. you know, the justice of at what point do you owe it to those kids mm-hmm. to be better stewards is a pretty powerful thing. Mm-hmm. There's a guilt factor that goes with that. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I, what I've noticed over the last couple of years is kids are grabbing the torch and doing a lot of stuff. And um, I have several kids in here that are very passionate about trying to make a difference. And mm-hmm. I mean, I have kids who will catch bugs in this room and they will walk them outside. And they, <laughs> I'll be like, seriously? <laughs> you know? Um, it's the circle of life. I'm one of the bigger creatures, and if I step on that thing, it's it's gone, you know. But then I have the other kids that it's like, no, you are not, you know. It's cool to see. Mm-hmm. But that whole concept of, um, you know, the justice behind um, our responsibilities in in the world mm-hmm. is a pretty yeah. pretty driving force in, in everything that we do at this school. Um, we're con- anytime something comes up where there's an issue, whether it's the garbage patch has gotten bigger or they're finding, they, I think the new one the other day was the plastic wrappers at the deepest part of the ocean that they go down, they're finding, like, candy bar wrappers and stuff mm-hmm. on the bottom of the ocean. That's disturbing. Yeah. That means it's more accelerated than we think. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, can you speak a little bit to... Um, so you've talked a lot about, like, nature and the animals that you guys are talking about and all this stuff. Can you, I mean, going off of what Sadie was getting at a little bit, um, can you speak to, I mean, how you're engaging with, um, like, different groups of people environmentally, um, talking about justice that way? Yeah. Um, well, like I said, the, the project this year was to try to do the storm drain stuff. So anytime you get the mayor there and you get other people that are there, um, one of the parts of our school is that we have a responsibility to do some type of community-type outreach. So whether it was Bird City was a couple years ago where they, um, you know, advocated for the birds and wanted to identify birds and get people to see the value in all these things. Mm-hmm. It, inviting community members is a big part of that. Um, when they did the ravine project, um, they cut wood and they wanted to use everything they cut down. And so they delivered wood to the homes and asked people, do you want firewood? And in the middle of doing that, obviously, they're educating about the ravine. So um, people that walk through the ravine when we're down there, kids will stop them and, you know, tell them the story of the ravine and sit them down. And so it's uh, it's not as formal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all do a good job at this school of telling people the story of what we do. Um you know, when people ask me, what are you doing for your job? Hey, we're going to Ben's property. We did 1,300 trees in his property last year. We're putting in wood duck houses. We're doing this. Oh, that's cool. Tell me more. So I think people are more motivated when they see. I think people actually get guilty when kids outwork them and care more than they do. Um, I, I learned that through the, through the cancer stuff. When you give kids dragon wagons full of aluminum cans because they want to save somebody's life and... As adults, we have that moment, that, that reminder of like, oh, you know, I I need to do more. And I think that that's where the kids are a powerful source of that. Um, and like I said, I mean, we do advertise what we do, and I think it gives people pause. But true environmentalists are pretty rare. Like when you look, like, they're pretty hardcore, the ones that, that show up. And then the rest of us are kind of, you know, there's that fringe of... You know what is my responsibility and the, I, I really believe there's a lot of people that just don't care and that drives me nuts you know knowing that there's still cities that don't recycle and they just throw everything away is that's drives me nuts because it's like we've created the habit to recycle when, when I see somebody throw something in the garbage that shouldn't be it bothers me because we've created that habit but there's still places where they don't mm-hmm. so 
I don't know, I guess we do at times have formal connections mm-hmm. to everybody else, and then um, there's other times where it just happens through osmosis. It just happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. Do you guys have any other questions? I think you answered everything I was interested yeah, in. Yeah, is there anything else that you want us to know about your school, about the work that you guys are doing, about the kids? I'm going to tell you this. I saw in all four of your eyes when I walked in that office that you were passionate about what you were about to do. <laughs> and to me, that's that's why I teach. Like, the rush as a teacher is when you see the drive and the care. Like, you all ask really good questions, so you're good at this. But it's that's the magic. A lot of the kids in this room are you guys. And being that, you know, setting them on that path is a really, really cool thing. And, you know, we used to think that changing one kid was a really powerful thing. But I never felt like one was enough. So there's times where it's all the kids in a classroom. I believe all of them can be movers and shakers in some way, Mm -hmm. shape, or form. And so, yeah, I, I think... You know, talking about I get excited talking about a you know connecting with the school and doing some things because these kids are mentors for our younger kids here, mm-hmm. but they need mentors because once we get done with FRA at eighth grade, there there's nothing else out there. Yeah. They don't have an environmental high school portion; it doesn't happen. So they have to stay interested for four years plus survive high school, um, and then decide if that's going to be where they go or what they mm-hmm. want to do. And I hope that some of those kids that becomes their gig or what they want to do mm-hmm. so thank you so much yeah no problem thank you so much yeah, yeah not a big deal You're i mean you grateful. guys are welcome to come whenever i don't awesome. come hang out <laughs> you, you you come see these kids in action and you'll get <laughs> let me see what's going on here. thank you somebody actually cares I thought it was interesting to get his perspective on what the environment was. Like, I think it was a very Mm -hmm. typical idea of what the environment is and environmental education. But I think it was really valuable to get that perspective, especially because it is one of the schools in the area that has that focus, and I think one of the only Mm -hmm. schools that has that focus. So I thought it was good to talk to him about why he thought that mission was important. It was nice that he had that kind of stereotypical idea of what the environment is but you could see where him and his class they're like starting to kind of push that boundary with things like the storm drain project that they're doing where they're kind of starting to look into urban environments as well as stereotypical nature. Normally, if I were to do some sort of project in elementary school, it would have been like, oh, a poster, like, this is where your trash goes, something like that. So these capstones are, like, incredibly impressive and very forward, I think, I don't, which is good. I mean, it's getting the community involved, it's getting the kids into the community, going to city council meetings, speaking mm-hmm. in front of these adults, motivating members of community, which is very impressive for such a young audience. Just the fact that they're able to... talk clearly about these things at such a young age and be able to broadcast these ideas so well is just like so impressive. So I thought it was interesting because they do go into those meetings and they have their capstone so I was 
thinking about it in a way that they are going to be, even if they're not necessarily learning environmental justice as a principle of the school, I think that they're going to be actors towards environmental justice in the future because they have this support system that has gotten them out and seeing these types of issues and they're really enacting on those in ways that I think that, at least myself, I didn't see myself going to a council meeting or anything like that. Like, even now, I don't know if I would do that, but at the age that they're doing that, I think that this is a really foundational time, and being able to do that now will, like, really help them in the future to be these champions of, of environmental justice in whatever ways that they can be. So I think that was really interesting. I agree that it's not explicit, but something that I thought was interesting was that it isn't explicit. I've been thinking a lot about what environmental education is and what it should be. We have this idea of environmental education is, at least for me, it's getting out in nature and connecting kids to nature and like this is all focused on nature, but what what is it, a well-rounded environmentalist? And so you have this idea that to be an environmentalist, you should know about the water cycle and you should know about waste management, but I feel like you should also know about the human impacts and like the environmental justice issues. So that's something that I've been thinking about and I was wondering what your responses to that are. Like should environmental education should it explicitly involve environmental justice as like a foundational principle? I really feel like that would be the next step for the Fox River Academy would be starting to introduce those ideas to the 7th and 8th graders and showing them that, yes, these things affect everybody, but not necessarily in the same way. And that some people who are more affected are people who aren't as capable of handling these problems and things like that. Because I feel like they're starting to kind of get to those ideas mm -hmm. and with how advanced they are and going to city hall meetings and all that, that really is the one piece to the puzzle that I think would really do big things for them. Almost the main point of the school in itself just seems to be trying to get the kids out into the environment, get them to form this connection. Every sense, they're not even just going outside, like their entire classroom had murals of the outdoors. Like they lit literally brought the outdoors in just so that it could be some sort of catalyst for the kids to learn to love the environment. And then I think that that environmental justice aspect can start to come with age and like start to incorporate that as they develop further in their education. Not only like the kids are being so involved in the outdoors, but also their education seems to be really thriving. So it's evidently working, and I wonder what other schools could do to incorporate some of these aspects from the environmental school and possibly use to improve their test scores.
I think one of the things that I was thinking about was, yes, it's working, but for whom is it working? Like, who who gets that opportunity? And I think we touched a little bit about that on the interview. Um, but I don't know if that's another aspect of environmental justice just within the school itself about who gets access to that type of education. Um, and I know that initially that was something that we wanted to try to investigate and talk about. Yeah, I did like that they have a kind of lottery system that he mentioned so that it kind of enables people from all walks of life to have a chance to get their uh, children into such a an interesting school and a different kind of classroom setting rather than it being like at a private school where you know you have to be able to foot the bill in order to get in or get lucky enough to get some kind mm-hmm. of scholarship yeah, option um, and so I think in that way that I could see where they have more of a potential for some diversity in the classroom as far as the backgrounds of students. Um, obviously, we're in Wisconsin, so like we're, the city we're in isn't necessarily super diverse, but mm-hmm. it would be interesting, yeah, to look into that more and how that lottery system really ends up working in the long run. I thought it was interesting when we asked the question, like, what, how do you define the environment? Um, like he, like it seemed that they tried to bring in urban environment and mm-hmm. all those types of things, which I think lines up with the ideas of environmental justice pretty well. Um, so I thought that was a good thing to talk about because once again, I feel like a lot of our conversation revolved around like nature and like what is nature and like their interactions with nature, but seeing that they're also interacting with the urban environment and bringing in communities and things like that, I thought was good to see.